and we on. All right, guys, welcome back to the Fitness and Philosophy Podcast. My name is Robbie Gustin. I'm joined as always by OPEX founder, James Fitzgerald. James, how are you doing today? Hey, Robbie, I'm good. I wonder if you'll ever say I'm joined, but not as always, by someone else. I wonder if that'll ever be the case. James Doppelganger, we'll do a, a mind-body episode. <laughs> someone has impersonated James. <laughs> so good. Sitting in this chair, too. Like, that would be the... You know, it'll take like 15 minutes before people like, just a second now. That's not him. Um, it's awesome. Awesome to be here. What uh, number episode is this? This is number 12. 12. Yeah, not much. 12 is not that, uh, 12 is not that important. So we'll just uh, move on with the episode because there's not really much to talk about in number 12. Uh, maybe that's what there is to talk about for number 12. It's just like a, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, being 12 before 13 is like not the best, you know, it's like you can't wait to be a teenager and 12 is like, oh, it's that middle zone uh, before getting there. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some people that uh, were born in 2012 on December 12th that would kind of make 12 really cool, right? I think that was, I think that was the, it was like the Mayan whatever people were like, oh, 12, 12, 12, like there was like a movie like oh. It was like, it was technically like the doomsday at that point. Oh, wow. You know, among the many others that have come and gone. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I just remember that from that year, the 12, 12, 12. Yeah. 12's also not, uh, I mean, I love sitting in class. I used to love sitting in class <clears throat> doing, this is what would used to go on in my mind. I'm sure there's some people who could, who could resonate with this, but sitting in class, you know, because education was a bunch of horse shit um, and you're going, 12, 24, 36, 48, 60, 72, 84, 96, 108, 120, 132, 144, 156, 168. And so you get this opportunity to like spread your wings on multiples of 12, you know? Some people are like, James, what's 12 times 12? 144. They're like, you're a genius. You are a genius, right? Um, I bet you know what 12 times 11 is, 132. You know, <clears throat> so 12 was one of those numbers I used to ruminate on to give it a little bit of a little, little bit of hope. Um, but my children, too, my daughter is going to be 12 in January next year. And I could speak for her. 12 is that weird zone, again, back to ages. Because, like, at 14, my oldest, Hannah, can, like, go to the community fitness center alone, right? But uh, 12, you're, you know, you could trip up and die. You know, you could die at 12. But 14, you know, you're good to go. So there's something happening there at that, uh, that weird 12 age, number 12. So, all right, 12th episode. I'm excited. Let's do this. Yeah, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but uh, so I kind of noticed it going through CCP and then when Brandon and I were doing CCP Live last weekend, we, we can notice it. I don't know if it's subconscious on your end, but I feel like 12 is one of your favorite number examples. Like I feel like when you search, like when you search for a number, like a reps or like, I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but like 12 seems to be the one that, Mm. that just uh that just shook up my circuitry um 12 is beautiful you know uh 12 rounds is better than 10 rounds why because it's not 10 that's why um Sorry. yeah 12 9 6 3 is a beautiful heavy loaded complex gymnastics couplet right uh, 12 heavy cleans, 12 strict deficit or 12 deficit kipping handstand push-ups. Those, that's a beautiful 
couplet of movements. Um, you know, 12 sets of a single for a max contraction is really high level because that's, that's a lot of work, a lot of intensity, right? Um, I remember on dot-com way back, it was always 10 sets of one. And I would be like, why, why isn't it like 12 sets of one <laughs> or 13 sets of one, right? Something around that 10 sets, you go above it. It's like, ooh, it's supra. So 12 is supra in, uh, in language. Um, but 12 doesn't sit well for five kilos either, right? Five kilos times 2.2 is 11. <laughs> so it's just short of, it'd be beautiful if 12 came back to like a perfect number, a round whole number of kilos, you know? Uh, that'd be so fascinating. Always makes you question too, why is it 15, uh, uh, you know, 10, 15 and iterations of 45, you know, 45 pounds. Anyways, I'm, I'm deep in now, but yeah, 12's, 12's great, man. We got this far. Yeah, and as we speak, Brennan is making a video of all the instances of you saying 12, just all in oh, a row. Super, That's super. The red line, the red, the red line, I didn't even, this is meta, because I didn't even get the red, I didn't even do the red uh, phone call. It's just happening. So now I could like think about this, and that is actually, the red phone call being made. It's clairvoyance now. Like it's progressed beyond the red phone. Like it's actual like mind linking. Yeah. I mean that's higher order right there. There <laughs> we go. We spent uh, close to 12 minutes on uh, it being the 12th episode. I, I appreciate right. that. You're right. And at least on the East coast right now it is noon. So 12, 12. Yeah. So <laughs> speaking of 12s. Um, so Today we are going to talk about the coach. Um, so in previous episodes, we've mentioned uh, the fitness coach in relation to different topics like virtue and knowledge and autonomy. But, you know, James, you and I discussed this and we thought it would be kind of useful to maybe do an episode and we'll probably do more in the future on specifically the coach. Um, and you know, this one in particular about like what constitutes a coach philosophically, like what are the necessary and sufficient conditions? How does a coach relate to other um, institutions and people in the world? And then maybe circling back around to some of those other topics we discussed with relation to autonomy, virtue, truth. And just thinking in, in that regard, the, the coach episode, just potentially thinking ahead, uh, this, this could be a way of maybe, um, you know, in the future, maybe recapping previous episodes we've done and kind of connecting them all with the coach. So it's, it's, it's a good kind of synthesis of the ones we've done thus far yeah. uh, and recap and then moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. The way I see it is uh, um, thus far, we've kind of just been talking about, you know, that little, the, the thing on the in-between between the coach and the client. Right. And now we're going back to the monad, which is like, let's jam on just the coach and be, and say like, what's, what's its purpose and how does it come to be? And is, does it really do anything? <laughs> and a, as it exists, is it worthwhile? <laughs> and what did, de, what determines it being worthy? You know, um, I love that conversation. Yeah. So. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and I didn't list this as a question for today, but just you saying that right now and based on our previous discussions, one thing we could get to either today or in the future is that question we've been talking about, about, you know, long-term, 
in the societal ideal to what extent is the fitness coach necessary and at what ages and things like that. So yeah. those types of deeper philosophical questions. Yeah, no, no, that, uh, I think it uh, warrants a time for today, uh, whether it's a couple of minutes as a reiteration of what I discussed and just leave it to the ether, yeah. and, like people can jam on it. Um, <clears throat> cause it, cause it, yeah. I mean, if we're going to talk about historical context and the current presence set up in the future, you know, that's the only way we're going to tie this entire thing in to talk about the monitor of the coach is all three of those areas. So we have to discuss that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, kind of the past, you know, how did this even come to be present? Where is it at? And then where are we trying to get it to? Yeah. Yeah. So for a lot of our initial episodes, we would start off with some sort of new philosophical topic to, you know, give you guys some sense of uh, philosophy background. Uh, we started off the series by talking about the normative descriptive distinction when we were talking about fitness and we've talked about philosophy of science and other things. Today, we're going to talk about a big one, a really big one in philosophy called necessary and sufficient conditions. This is up there with validity and soundness that we'll probably discuss at some other point in normative descriptive, but it's really important. And side note for anyone who's listening who might want to do the LSATs at some point, uh, the LSATs are all necessary and sufficient conditions. It's all about that. So let's dive in. So mm -hmm. a necessary condition is a condition that's needed for something to be the thing it is. And a sufficient condition is a condition that is enough for something to be the thing that it is. So that's the general abstract description. Obviously that's hard to get a hold on right now. So let me bring it back down to some simple examples. Here's an example of a necessary condition. Oxygen is necessary for humans to survive. In other words, we can't survive without oxygen, but oxygen is not a sufficient condition for us to survive because oxygen by itself isn't enough. We also need water, food, shelter, uh, among other things. We couldn't survive long-term without, um, or with just oxygen. On the sufficient condition side, you could take uh, you know, the Beatles song, uh, just kind of a fun example, you know, all you need is love and the implicit end piece of that sentence there is for something like for a happy life, right? Um, so they're making the claim there, obviously the Beatles song is not meant as like a philosophical treatise, but you know, the, the, the claim ostensibly is something like you don't necessarily need money, fame, power for a happy life. Love by itself is sufficient. It's enough. You could have those other things too, if you want. Um, but love is um, both necessary and sufficient for a happy life. Um, so before I go any further, any thoughts one way or the other there, James? No, um, it's, but I, I'm going to be honest with you, as I read through the PDF of, of the layout prior to this, I kind of understood the tie-in um, to this for fitness coaching and also um, the wording around it, but I got to be honest at the end of it, I was kind of just hoping that what just happened there um, was going to help me. And it did. Um, it's super clear now. Um, and so I definitely have lots to say based upon the coach being sufficient in the current system and not necessary. And what I won't just leave it at that, but I got lots more. I think we're going to drum up a whole bunch of ways to get to that answer. Um, and the reasons why I would choose that as being, uh, you know, how I'm seeing it now. So I just wanted to say that that's really clear, the opening on that. Could you, could you maybe, uh, just, just because I'm sensing it could be something the listener may be interested in, uh, 
wh why is this a good strategy of necessary versus sufficient as a starting point for a particular thing? Why is that, why is that a, such a good strategy just to like begin for the questions? Yeah, it's an excellent question. So um, the way I look at it is as follows. So when philosophers ask, what is truth? What is meaning? What is justice? What is a scientific theory? What is math? Any of the deep philosophical questions, um, really what they're trying to get at is the, an easy way to grab a hold of it is the, the recipe. How do we bake the cake of knowledge? How do we bake the cake of truth? How do we bake the cake of justice? And in order to bake the cake, so to speak, metaphorically, we need the list of ingredients. And we need to figure out which ingredients are needed, but which are enough as well. So just to take the cake example a little bit further here, if you just have eggs, you're not going to make a cake, right? You need it to make a cake, but that's not enough. Yeah. Flour, same thing, sugar, yeah. so on and so forth. So those things plus the relevant, you know, oven, stand mixer, all the rest of that stuff are sufficient to make a cake, but they're not um, individually enough. So when we're asking these deeper questions about what makes the thing the thing that it is, we need to figure out like what are the ingredients that we put in to make the thing? And then we have to ask, well, is that ingredient list enough? Like yeah. maybe we have 10 things, but it's like, no, nah, we need 12 to make it yeah. the, the full thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, and I'm, again, as you're saying it, I'm tying, <clears throat> I'm tying that back into uh, the fitness coaching um, <laughs> as to where that, uh, where that sits in the, first thing I thought about was that, um, or is it possible that the things that are really become necessary um, or are defined as necessary truly do stand the test of time? Is that a possible statement that would be added to how you determine it being necessary? Um, as an example, what I just thought about there for you too is that, um, there wasn't refined flour at one point. So people would think, oh, there's no way you can bake a cake if there wasn't refined. You know what I'm saying? Well, that is, it's actually true. Almost like fitness coaching, as we stretch way back in time, there wasn't any fitness coach and things still happened. You know, people still came up with good thoughts and, you know, and it could, but arguments all abound on like putting all these recipe pieces together of the fitness coach um, and then thinking it's, it's really important. It's an, it's an, it's necessary, or is it just, or is it just like filling in the gaps to fix what's current? And that doesn't make it necessary, right? That actually makes it more sufficient. Why? Because it one time didn't exist. So that's, uh, I'm not sure if time adds to the differencing in, in that, does it? It can. Yeah, I, I see what you're, I think I see what you're getting at. So we're talking about necessary and sufficient conditions. We're talking about given a specific thing you want to do, what are the requirements to get there? The sense of necessity you were using is also a really important one in philosophy too. When we say that there are like necessary truths, mm. like, you know, the truths of logic or the truths of math that are timeless, they go across times. Yeah. Um, and oxygen. And there are, and yeah, well, uh, potentially, potentially. I mean, one of the things a philosopher might ask there is they say, well, is it a necessary truth that humans needed to breathe oxygen? Could it have been the case conceptually? Is it logically possible that we could have um, 
had CO2 as the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I, but I see what you're saying. Sometimes philosophers yet yeah, when they, when they talk about necessary and sufficient conditions, they want to try to get to things, particularly for big concepts like truth and beauty that are more timeless, that are more like across the ages, across, you know, time and place, that, that type of thing. So I, I definitely see that. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Uh, and thanks for clarifying it, uh, about how I'm seeing it. Um, yeah, that's good. Okay, no yeah. So, uh, if, if people out there are listening and they're still, you know, hopefully that helped clear things up, but if they're still a little bit confused, no worries. This is a little bit of a, uh, a concept that takes a little bit of getting used to. So I have a few more examples that might, might help people. Um, so let, let's take an example from a previous episode, right? So in a previous episode where we were talking about knowledge, we were saying that philosophers say that knowledge is justified true belief. So let's, let's break that down into the language of necessary and sufficient conditions. So to bake the cake of knowledge, we need a belief. We need the belief to be true and we need the belief to be justified. So we need all three of those things. But if we just had a belief and we just had truth, that's not enough to make knowledge. So we need all three. So all three together are jointly sufficient for knowledge. Mm. So that's a philosophy example. Now let's take a fitness example that will hopefully for our audience, maybe make it a little bit clearer because you know, we've got fitness coaches, uh, probably other people as well, but probably a lot of fitness coaches listening. So you can just uh, say let's it, take some... we're all meatheads and we can't really get to that intellectual uh, level. <laughs> we should just, just speak the truth here. No, I mean, this is a justified truth commentary. <laughs> no, this community, especially the OPEX one, like uh, some of the more intellectual discussions I've yeah. personally encountered. So, yeah, I, I love it. Um, so, let's, let's talk about necessary conditions. So, um, for fitness. So, we could make the following claim both resistance training and aerobic training are necessary from a fitness perspective for long term health and vitality. But just from that statement alone, it could be the case that other things are necessary as well. So when I'm making that claim, you could also say, oh, well, maybe we need mixed modal in there. Maybe we need skydiving. I don't know. You could throw any crazy thing you want. Mm -hmm. But just from that statement, the only claim being made is that those two are necessary. Now, if I come along and say something like resistance training and aerobic training are jointly sufficient for long-term health and vitality, what I mean there is that those two are the only two you need for long-term health and vitality. You could throw other things in the mix if you want, but those aren't, you know, uh, th those don't need to be part of the equation. Um, you know, resistance training and aerobic training are jointly sufficient. And then the last one um, would be, you know, we could take an example of neither necessary nor sufficient that you and I have kind of discussed here a number of times. Um, mixed modal high intensity training is neither necessary nor sufficient for long-term health and vitality. So what we mean there is that mixed modal high intensity training is not enough by itself for long-term health and vitality. That's the sufficient claim, but it's also not even necessary. You don't even need it as part of uh, fitness. So hopefully those examples give people a sense of what those all mean. Uh, and I'll just pause there and see if you have any thoughts. One way or the other. Yeah, no, um, <clears throat> no, I really, I think that that will hit at home. Um, Unfortunately for me, it moves my mind over to, of course, dose response and uh, our continued lack of definition for living uh, that we have. So it still is a, there's still lots of room for argument on 
what are the things that are necessary to live a really long, prosperous life? You know, that's still really argumentative for good reason. Um, and uh, what, what jumps in there just to keep going down that route and moving away from the coach monad concept for, uh, for today um, is that uh, we cannot turn our back on the fact that we do have the expression of resistance and going long as a, an observed capability. Like we, we actually have the capability, all of us inside of us, to reach our own relative maximal potential of that. You know what I'm saying? So it, it does exist and has been in existence for a long period of time. Not a lot of people have, you know, made the attempt to push towards physical maximums like we have cognitive maximums, you know what I'm saying? Or, or you know, the strain towards happiness and cognitive mind-blowing awareness, you know? Um, and a lot of us, there's a, well, there's a very few, but a number of us have continue to work on that road towards physical expression. So that, that would be the, 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 the real strong argument for why it could be necessary for a long prosperous life because it actually does exist. It's just that we can't put our finger on a whole ton of people doing that and leading to a long prosperous life. So we still, we'll, we'll still have this like, it's going to be a long time before we get to this answer in terms of if it's sufficient or necessary. Um, I think because of, it'll always have to be a, like, uh, stories and metaphors and a theory, you know, uh, because it'll be very long before we can actually just go on a timeline. Whoa, look at all those people <laughs> and all that time. And this is what they did, right? Uh, 95% of them, um, all, you know, uh, all tried to improve this relative physical expression for a lifetime. And then the other 5% were clearly not going towards that. And we had this massive diversion in health and vitality and resilience, let's say, you know, um, where we study, you know, after the zombie apocalypse, that entire 5% are all the ones that couldn't make it, you know, <laughs> like, hmm, interesting. None of these people had total gyms in their place. You know, everyone else had a total gym and a Peloton, <laughs> uh, you know, um, so that, that's where my went, sorry, sidetrack on it. It's, of course, you know, jamming back to what's necessary for a long, prosperous life versus what is sufficient. That's where, I, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right that empirically, you know, this is still going to be an ongoing conversation. We need to kind of figure out what are those key bits in the recipe that contribute to long-term health and vitality. Um, from a philosophical perspective, I think it's very important for people to recognize, not just in fitness, but any claim that you encountered just by the way this is very important to be able to analyze it whether someone is making a claim about whether something is necessary or sufficient so here's a fitness example to give you a sense because it makes a huge difference to how you assess the claim and how strong the claim uh, is that's being made so for example if a fitness outlet had said something to the effect of mixed modal high intensity training is sufficient for long-term health and vitality that is a far stronger claim than mixed modal high intensity work is necessary mm -hmm. for health and vitality. They both might be wrong. You know, mm -hmm. you and I both maybe think that they're yeah. wrong, but yeah. one is dramatically different from the other. And it's important from a philosophical perspective to get clear on what is the claim being made by the person. So you can get clear on how do you, you know, maneuver with that argument, how do you assess it? So on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I love that. That's uh 
because <clears throat> that's where uh, even those two particular claims to be um, specific on those, um, if those are not opened up further and further to, you know, you know, how they're presented today, because I think how they're presented today, I would argue, was from the intentions that uh, it's necessary to reach this ideal of physical expression. And so they, they had indirectly the language of necessary inside it um, as, like, as, as like signaling towards the, uh, the search for this high in intensity model is, is what you need. That's what you need, right? This will lead you to that spot. Um, and so without actually using those words, that's how it was sold. That's how I see it. You know, that's how I see it as a, like this shit is necessary for you, you know? <laughs> um, and cause I think, uh, saying that it's uh, sufficient will fall flat because it allows a lot of important nuanced discussions, which I get into, right? It's like, well, where do I go there? It's like, um, sufficient for what? And if the answer is, well, sufficient to be vital, no, you're, 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 it's, that's poppy talk or cocky talk, whatever the fuck it's called. Like that's just injected language from the athletic persona, right? It's like, you actually don't need that. Like let's define vital. Right. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. That's uh, that's clear. And, and, that, and, and, and to that point, which is a good point, it's always necessary condition for X sufficient mm -hmm. condition for X. It's, it's yeah. never, or I mean, there could be cases potentially, but so, you know, if, if, if CrossFit had come out and said, well, Mixed modal high intensity is necessary to win the million dollar prize from the CrossFit Games. So, hey, you, you and I have zero problem with that. It's, no. it's when it's the necessary and sufficient for health and vitality. That's yeah. the issue. Yeah. Yeah, that is the issue. And it's what brings us here. <laughs> right. It brings us to this moment. <laughs> so the last little piece here before we get, get down to the coach here is, you know, you might be listening to all this wondering, why are we talking about this on the episode about the coach? So I want to tie that in. Yeah. So one of the central questions we'll be asking today is what makes a fitness coach a fitness coach? And just like I said before in philosophy, when we're trying to, you know, figure out how to bake the cake of knowledge or bake the cake of truth or bake the cake of justice, we're trying to figure out what things do you need to make a good fitness coach and what things are enough to make a good fitness coach. So let's take some examples from, you know, OPEX HQ here. So uh, some famous ones that get discussed are competency and education, empathy and relationship building, consistency and professionalism. Um, you know, we can eventually ask the question, uh, are those the only ones that are necessary? Uh, are those three by themselves sufficient? Uh, what other things do we need? Does a coach need to be a certain age? Do they need to have a particular degree? Do they have to have a particular amount of experience? So when we're asking the necessary, necessary question, what necessary conditions are there? Think of the ingredient list. That's the necessary conditions. And then when we ask for sufficient conditions, we're asking at what point do we have enough ingredients to actually bake the cake? Like how, when, when, when have we actually reached that point where we can actually make a fitness coach? We can say competency and education, mm, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. right? That's not enough to bake the cake of a coach. So. Yeah. And, and the, uh, cause it's so easy to be just, uh, chaotic in this, you know, just, you can't, you know, we can't wrap our hands around what's needed because it, you know, it actually, it's madness out there. So we'll back up and be isolated on it. Um, but it does create problems there, Robbie, because 
I think the, the context of 2020 and post-COVID and, and September, whether we like it or not, does go into what is, what is uh, necessary, like how we define what is necessary, right? Um, and uh, I'm not sure if you'd have, you know, anything that you've just, just more, more recently said that is what you meant by that, but I'm iterating like at 1985 in February, um, it was different, right? Um, and so it was 2006, uh, December, you know, and now 2020, you know, September, just a weird year overall. Um, it does change a little bit around what the necessary ingredients are. Uh, I could, you know, I, as you know, I have lots of literature and, and perspectives and theories. I posit ideas of attributes, right, as a starting point for what coaches need. And then we blend in the ideas around technical skills. But there always comes into this, you know, aspect of time and current environment, right? Time meaning experiences and tenure and like practice, but also the current environment. Um, because I think that's where we're going to get a lot of trip ups um, in just this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And it goes back to what you were saying before about this, you know, this temporal aspect of things, to what extent are things timeless or time indexed? And we can definitely make them time indexed. A famous example from philosophy that I think somewhat relates is, you know, in aesthetics, which is a branch of philosophy, they ask questions like what is art and what is beauty? Like is a Campbell soup can on a wall, you know, is that art, right? That, that's kind of a new modern uh, thing in the art world that, you know, we have this further question of, is that art? So in the coach case, I think we can maybe discuss, maybe there are some timeless elements mm -hmm. that are part of the puzzle, mm -hmm. but then you're absolutely right there. These time index ones to September, 2020, we're not yet at that ideal that we're probably going to discuss today of the fitness coach isn't necessary where that would be a completely different situation. We're at this place where things are going remote and it's Instagram and all these different things. So we can discuss maybe the time indexed aspects that contribute to the time, timeless aspects as well of what makes a good fitness coach. Yeah. 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 I appreciate that. Cause wow. So much, <laughs> there's so much cleaning up to do on that time iteration, you know, at the, the generations and the thousands and tens of thousands of coaches and the, in their perception of reality in fitness and fitness delivery. Like it takes, a, that's, that's a big stretch, a long stretch, right. To go back and, uh, and, and think about that. So, um, yeah, but we'll try, we'll try to, to, to get to that. Um, without, without, I can't, I can't finish the statement on it without, thinking about where I immediately get like jammed up and I apologize if it's like, this is where I consistently go, but it's the, it's the, uh, the, uh, and let me know if this is timely or not, if you got some other things we need to hit on before we get to this, but it's the coach has been to use our language now that you set it up. And the reason why we went, you know, away from the coach, first of all, just to remind people is we wanted to just do this kind of, opening of like what is necessary and what's sufficient. We used other things to get there. But I, I generally go to a completely understanding right now that a coach is sufficient um, inside the landscape. Um, and it, it, the, the fitness landscape itself, which the coach is embedded inside of that, has been orchestrated 
with incorrect intentions. So the, the physical expression, you have to go, and this is why this iteration between that point right there and where I'm gonna to get to is really long. Physical expression, we were always capable of physical expression, but we never really had to, to learn a whole lot about it. We had to do it in order to continue to evolve and survive and reproduce. But we didn't think about it or tell anyone about us doing it and participating in it and knowing about it. So there came a time where we think that we became so open-minded and broad in terms of this concept of physical expression, when really it was on a base of bad intentions to fix a really poor lifestyle of ironically, a lack of, uh, of this recognition that we've been given this thing that we could challenge like all the time, but we didn't actually didn't really, we don't really, didn't really need to do it anymore. Like really need to do it. Now, when I say those words, slow down and say it really, need to do it um we've created it we've structured it and we've created this massive massive seemingly important thing to to try to come up with these solutions at the end which i find crazy of like teaching people to move and teaching them what to eat i can't even believe we're at that point so that's where my mind goes i apologize but that's where my mind goes in terms of like where does the coach fit into this for the what's the necessary pieces right does someone who just comes out of the womb, right? Um, you know, do, do, they, do they need to be taught how to do physical expression? Um, and if that is the case where we feel they, they need to be taught, and this is why this question is important because that means that some health consultant or fitness coach is gonna be the person who teaches them about what is necessary, <laughs> you know, then, um, you know, why I'm asking, why is that the case? Why, you know, is it just because we have light presses and global gyms? That's the reason why we need to learn about that to see if it's necessary or sufficient, you know what I'm saying? And, and what happens if we didn't have light presses? What happens if, if uh, aliens came down and watched us, you know, just running around in a globo gym, would they be like, what is that doing? You know, what, what are you doing there? And all of us would be like, oh, just what we do, you know? So if they ask the question, well, that person who's like guiding you there, you know, what, are, are they, are they necessary to like, to teach you to do these things? Or, you know, didn't you just recognize you have like shoulders and a bicep and like, you know, that, that you weren't given that shoulder to do a, a jam or press, you know, <laughs> that shoulder was there to, to punch someone or to uh, take a hit or throw something or I don't know, uh, just move your arms you know, so that you can get across. You see my point in that? I'm sorry to hijack it on that point, but I couldn't, that's my, that's what my brain was on was like, how do we come to this agreement of the necessity and uh, what's necessary for a coach? If we don't, if I don't anyways, or I don't make people think about this, the fact that it's all, it's all constructed. Uh, and we're forgetting about the fact that it's embedded. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I see what you're saying there. So I, I have a couple thoughts. I'm curious to hear yours uh, back on them. So one is, I mean, I think we can both agree, especially at, at this point that, you know, the fitness coach in large degree, whatever you think about the future of fitness coaching, whether people share that, that vision that we, you know, you've talked about previously about 
the fitness coach essentially not being necessary past the age of 18 in the ideal. Uh, I think most people would agree that the fitness coach mainly acts as a corrective today to, you know, a society where, uh, you know, whether it's in terms of nutrition uh, or proper sleep hygiene or fitness practices, you know, people just don't really know what they're doing because we haven't placed as much emphasis on that. So coaches needed September, 2020 in that regard as a corrective. Um, but I, I do kind of wonder, yeah. So, I mean, I, I agree with you that there's, there's a whole slew of things that are embedded in, in us as humans, you know, the ability to run, the ability to punch, you know, swing from branches, climb a tree, but th there are these interesting new modalities, um, barbells, um, you know, uh, aerobic progressions on a bike or a rower or an erg or something like that. Uh, I don't know that it's, um, I don't know. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on, do you, do you think it's problematic that given the new technology that we have that, you know, it might require at least for a period of time, a coach to help someone who doesn't want to go swing from branches or, you know, climb a tree, uh, learn how to physically express themselves in a safe and sustainable way. Is that, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I was, I don't know if I'll answer your question, but, um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, for anyone who speaks of mixed modal in terms of it being a sport specific thing, I think you need to participate in lots of different modalities because it's uh, expressed in my opinion at the highest level of fitness, right. In a sporting setting. But, um, because all these new modalities and things exist, I would agree with you if, if we were to theorize that because we have all these modalities and the participation of all those leads to a better life, I would, I would agree with you, but it's only, we're only positing that idea. You know, we're just, we're just saying, Oh, it's, it's possible because we have tech and resources and all these other things. Right. Um, uh, you know, my gut instinct says no, like my gut instinct says no, because I think that the further we move away from, what is, you know, what is natural or what we've been given and what we're capable of doing, we do end up going at those things, maybe mixed modality with the wrong intentions. Uh, meaning they, they, could be, they could be intentions of, you know, improving a fit, physical fitness characteristic because it's broad and inclusive, but that still is not going to connect long-term to my definition of living a really prosperous prosperous life, you know? So I'm not sure if that created a, that created even more as I'm saying it, I'm sensing it might have, but that, uh, it still doesn't, it still doesn't do it for me. Um, in terms of, yeah. So I, I know, I know that there's a lot of people out there. This is just something to think of. I know there's a lot of people out there who participated in fitness they, and they didn't know it was fitness. And um, they didn't have what we see as fitness uh, opportunity today, okay? And um, that could have been a, a farmer, okay? And that could have been um, uh, uh, someone who builds homes or creates a shelter, okay? Um, and you see where I can go on a, on a, on a list of archaic concepts of work you see what i'm saying but but the the deepest thing what got them out of the bed in the morning was to was to contribute and build things but 
it, they had no thought around like making sure they, you know, <laughs> used different modalities in this hour period that was going to lead to like, oh my gosh, that really like made me, you know, uh, open my mind to these unbelievable thoughts. Um, so I'm having a hard time with meshing. Let's just call it new technology, Robbie. Meshing with new tech, it, which would be my, I'm using that same language for this, all these new modalities and it leading to actually a superior version of expression. And the reason why I think it's not the case is because I still think there's embedded improper intentions inside of that. Now for a minority of folks, I think that, and maybe I could be biased because that's how I see it. I think the participation in said uh, variance in modalities can lead to more uh, broader levels of resilience. I see that, right? I see that, um, but I'm, I think uh, I might be, I may just be intri uh, intricate or a minority in that, in that thought. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I guess the, the thing I wonder about is, you know, given the fact that as a society, for the most part, we're not going back to being farmers or, I mean, there, there's, there's always gonna be, you know, a group of folks that are doing physical labor, but as far as we can tell for the future, it's pretty, it's accelerating pretty hard in the information technology direction and we could have interesting debates and discussion about whether that's the right way to head or not. But, you know, given that fact, that's fact one. And given the fact that up until, you know, what was it a hundred years ago, something like that, maybe a little bit longer than that, that the barbell uh, did not exist and you couldn't really progressively load in a safe way things in terms of absolute strength. And if I'm getting the history of absolute strength wrong there, please correct no. me. No. But, um, but I'm wondering, you know, given that context that we're in and, you know, if we correct the intentions around, Hey, you're not doing this to be swollen jacked, you're doing this cause it's for you. And, um, you know, you're able to express that maximal, uh, that, that, you know, ability to contract, uh, yeah, I guess I, I, I do see at least a temporary role there for the for the coach, given that that kind of context that we're in, that's not vicious in any way or um, problematic. Um, I, I think it's, you know, probably a, a good thing rather than a bad thing. So I don't know if you have any thoughts yep. there. No, I'm agreeing with you there. We're saying the same thing, okay. but I think it's I just think it's a it's a big stretch. It's a very few number of people like I'm talking in the point couple of zeros point something in terms of that we can expect to get there. Meaning, you know, they're 37, they come to the gym, they're on their own, they understand bending, they see that barbell, an external load. And when you ask them a lot of deep philosophical questions for an hour, they're like, I'm capable of doing this. And I do it for me. And while I'm doing it, I'm thinking about the years gone by of those laborers that had to do heavy lifting to improve the tribe or the community or et cetera. You know what I'm saying? So they're, they're tying in this, like, I know this is a diversion tactic, right? I know this is because this, I don't leave here and actually have to repeat that movement to make my life better or to protect my children. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they know it, whether they want to say it or not, but they know it. So, Yes, but that's a very few and a long stretch. Does it mean that we don't use that as the model of the expectation? No, no. And that's why I stretch, stretch the thought process, right? Like no such thing as a fitness coach. 
no such thing as fitness facilities. You have this embedded understanding of it. Walk, lift rocks, you know, to your point, like why any modalities? I mean, just, so yeah, I, I think we're saying, I'm agreeing with you saying the same thing. I just, I think we're talking about the marginal uh, version of uh, what's possible for, for humans getting to that. Now, again, uh, to not, not change it here, but just to remind people who are listening, this is still important because the coach is the, is the minana in what, in, in that, in that thing that's called fitness and, and where it goes in the coach's mind and how that information is passed on to people who are going to experience this thing. Right? So that's why this is important because we're asking that fundamental question, right? If we kind of jam on what our truths are in fitness and how the person observes fitness for whatever reason, is this necessary? Right? Is this necessary? Again, I'll just repeat and we can move on if we, wherever we want to go. I'm saying it's sufficient for the current landscape, but it's not necessary for multiple different reasons. Primal perspectives of physical expression, incorrect intentions, all those things in my argument doesn't make it necessary. Doesn't make it necessary. Um, thoughts? Yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I no, see what you're saying there. It's, it's, it's a, it's a temporary corrective given where we are. But if we think, you know, according to the claim you're making, according to the highest ideal of what we would think of as physical expression, the fitness coach, if we even want to call it that, um, doesn't really exist out of age five to eighteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, and that's the sport specific afterwards. Yeah, well. And then we can get into talking about that. That's a whole other thing too. But I, uh, man, you know, the, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm stuck on that. It's the, uh, it's the higher order, you know, belief of just, uh, you know, just, you know, coming out of the womb and just like knowing that that's just what you do. You just, you just physically express yourself, right? Like you do it over and over and you don't really, uh, you don't really ask why and, but you just continue to do it because you can, right? Because you're actually capable. It's like, holy shit, you know, I'm capable of like moving this thing and going over here, you know, um, man, but we're, but you know, I'm just saying this to myself, I'm onto something because I've really, cause this is the problem that I, I, my belief is this is the biggest problem today. We can't create language or an understanding. I mean, my head and maybe for a lot around, how we got to be okay with it being a diversion tactic. We got to be okay with it. That, that's the thing. Like if we all get on board with being okay with it, then at least maybe we can move forward and make it enjoyable. Right. But we're not, I don't think the majority is okay with calling it a diversion tactic, you know, from, from, from doing something else every day. I really don't think we are. And instead, we're like, oh, why, why do you do that? Oh, because, it, you know, I don't want to have a heart attack. Man, that can't be the reason why we're doing it. You know, so, yeah, meaning, and that's where the coach comes in. So, it's all good. It's, it's a good, it's good. This is good healing for me because I'm creating better language of trying to, uh, on multiple levels, allow people to understand and wake up to the fact of it being, it just being uh, constructed um, 
and let's all be okay that it's folly. <laughs> let's just be okay with it. Um, can it can it give us a number of things, meaning the fitness experience? Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I guess Robbie, where maybe I'd like your thoughts on it is that if that comes from an incorrect intention spot, how how long will that last, right? Or is it is it really going to be effective? Good question. No, I mean, this is this is forcing me to do some deeper thinking. So I'm, I'm thinking of an analogy, and you let me know if this is kind of on point. So I, I get what you're saying, you know, so humans come out, it's just our birth rate, we should be able to physically express. But there is a progression of technology, right? Like we're naturally supposed to intellectually express as well. And for like, tons and tons and tons and tons of years, people, there weren't languages, right? And then language came about and there were people to teach language for all of human history. Coding didn't exist and physics didn't exist. Do you know what I mean? That's something that allows us to eventually intellectually express ourselves. And we need teachers, at least initially, to kind of get us on board with that. So I guess I'm on board with you about the idea that, you know, lifting rocks and running and walking and, you know, basic primal physical expressions we should be able to do. But um, yeah, when it comes to things like, you know, barbells or kettlebells. I mean, at least, at least initially learning how to properly progress it, how to do it in the first place, using it as a tool, given the fact that we are not all farmers anymore, given the fact that we are not, um, you know, building huts and things like that. Um, yeah, I just wonder how the advancement of our ability to do this as humans plays a role in whether you need someone to teach you because you don't come out of the womb knowing how to back squat. You may know how to air squat, but you don't come out knowing how to back squat or, you know, do an overhead press or something like that. So I don't, I don't know if you had any thoughts there or one way or the other. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much in there, but, um, um, and just to be cautious of our time for focusing it on the coach, I still think we're saying the same thing. I just think that it's, okay. a, uh, it's, so I'll just make this idea, same analogy. And you say, if I think that's what we're thinking is that, you know, we do want people though, to to uh, pick something up off the ground, um, but we want them visualizing that it's a rock that they need in order to build their home. And if they don't, their kids will all be killed. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sorry, at least, got, at least it got people back to listening on the podcast. Like, what did you, so. Man, I've, been, I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> There's another meme. Red phone call. Yeah, right. um, the no, but you know what I'm saying. It's uh, are you connecting with me there? Like on the on the intentions. I think that's where the, I think that's where it's uh, you know, it's it's the mesh of the current uh, availability of technology, right? You're calling it a barbell. I called it a rock. So you 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 use that barbell because it exists and we came up with it, right? Um. Uh, but but when you're doing it, you're not doing it for a powerlifting meet, or you're not doing it because an NSCA manual you told you about a five by five, you know, or you're not doing it based upon white paper evidence of hypertrophy of the hamstring, you know, and the and the where you put your feet. You know, what I'm saying like we got to be we got to be doing it um, with the idea that it really it's it's really not leading to what do we want to call it. Uh, you know, dare I say a higher, you know, uh, I have wrote up on the board, so I'm looking at him cheating, physical resilience and adaptability. That's our reason. Now, what is that called in another term? 
that has been hijacked and using correctly? Human fitness, right? The, the deepest definition of fitness was you having this physical resilience and adaptability to keep moving humans forward, right? Now, we, and there's this, there's this timeline, which is important to discuss, right, on physical culture and these things that were put in place. And I would keep laying on this commentary that they were injected in place largely to fix uh, us just having time on our hands. Like, we, we got stuff to do. Now, it's like we got all this time and we're not focusing on the physical, we're focusing on the cognitive and, and happiness and fulfillment and awareness and, you know, levitation, right? But where, wherein is this thing of like, you know, this, you have the ability to bend over, find that rock, pick it up, and then just put it up here, right? Um, and on your point of like, you know, back squatting with load, I would agree with you to some extent, um, meaning like maybe people can't back squat with load because it's not, uh, it hasn't been an observed phenomenon for 6,000 years, you know, and, and then we got to get into like the mechanics and, you know, motor learning and, and embracing strategies and et cetera, you know, and connecting that to, is it, is it reasonable or is it worthy actually to do any of that? And I think I would always argue on the purist side that again, a back squat is a, is a orchestrated, um, unusual loading movement for the human structure. You know, that's, that's the way I would describe it as, right? Because I, I don't immediately go, oh, people who are the best at back squatting have the, have the greatest cognitive potential and live the longest. You know, I could create numerous arguments to tell you that it's not the case. Um, so that, that's, that's, where I, that's where I get sticky on it as an analogy. And maybe the remedy could be, we just have to be okay with, you know, talking about things like visualizing. Um, and this speaks to the coach, you gotta listen up, right? When you're speaking to someone about physical expression, you got to keep moving them to the understanding that you're both going like, we both know this is just like a setup, right? But for fun, why don't we visualize it as being like necessary to ward off zombies, right? Or, or it's, it's necessary for us to, uh, you know, because it's going to, you know, somehow make us better. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Good, because I didn't see what I was saying in a bunch of that, but uh, I was just letting it come out. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it, it gets into, yeah, kind of what you were saying at the end there. I mean, even, you know, if we got to the point where we did come out of the womb or we were more naturally able to back squat, like how do we properly pro progress a back squat safely, right? That, that is an important thing to learn. Or just like you were saying a second ago, like at least at the stage of where we are in the fitness collective right now in September, 2020, as you've mentioned a number of times, there are these improper intentions. And one of the roles of a coach is to help the clients to, to guide the client. It's not just sufficient. As, it, it's not just enough to say, Hey, guess what? You got shitty intentions. Go fix that. Yeah. Like, you know, the coach is going to guide the client through their experience and through, you know, um, that, that relationship to realize, oh, hey, maybe I, so uh, maybe I need to change my intention. So the coach serves this role of a, as a conveyor of truth in a certain regard, uh, conveyor of scientific findings, conveyor of knowledge, um, habit formation. So at least at this point in time, the coach can kind of play that role of 
helping people uh, shift things in a positive direction. Yeah, yeah, to use our words, I think they're necessary as the medium between these truths and fitness and how it's observed today. You know, I think they're necessary. Like we, we do need actual humans and brains and tongues and language to like, like think about this stuff and then speak to someone. Yeah, not abruptly, but, but if you're not constantly, like the way I said, if you're not constantly teaching them things that they're embedding and using for their own autonomy, you are fucking wasting time. Secondly, if you're not asking them and challenge them this notion, continue to ask why you're doing this. Keep asking that. If you don't keep asking, and I'm not looking for the answer, <laughs> you, but you just need to keep asking it. Um, and people always get fearful there because they're like, well, they'll just end up not being clients. Uh, they'll end up getting depressed because they see it's not connecting to them being a more admirable person. I don't, Fucking, I don't fucking care. Like, I'm just saying, I'm not going to do the, the dishonest approach of saying, no, 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 this really is a, a virtuous thing. And uh, it's going to lead to all these higher order things. No, I'm not going to lie to someone based upon that. Um, so if, if I or some people or this conversation opens people's minds to that, that's good. This recognition that, you know, the, the coach is the Miana, right? This is why it's important. Um, and you're necessary. You're necessary to take these truths, you know, what we talked about in like physical capabilities and whatever in fitness and to pass it on, you know, and keep challenging that person as to how they observe and do this thing called fitness. I think that's where, that's where I'm landing anyways, to kind of, to kind of, uh, you know, to make it sound a little happier, right? There's, it's, there, you're, you're good. You know, you're necessary. There's, there's a reason for you. I think that's why also, Robbie, we can't, negate that back. That's why a lot of people find that particular, this particular conversation possibly uncomfortable, right? Because they're like, wait now, wait, like you're, you, James, are teaching education, right? To coaches and putting that information in their minds. And you're, you're really saying on the deepest level, if they're connecting at all, that, uh, that the, the, the client should really just come up with these strategies and have these in place and, and not necessarily need that structure, you know, need this, this, uh, current, you know, uh, necessity, right. Uh, or yeah, 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 yeah. Current thing as a coach, right. It's a, it's just sufficient enough to get them in the current time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and I, I totally agree with you. And I mean, that, that's something we always need to be open to, like, in any philosophical discussion, even when there are uncomfortable truths, like we need to face them and accept them. So, um, yeah, and I, I absolutely think that that could be a reason why this discussion is uncomfortable. I think, you know, for me personally, if I'm talking about it, because I, 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 ever since we first discussed it, I've always thought it was an interesting idea. For me, I can still totally see it on the nutrition side. And, you know, I can see it where the nutrition coach right now is really just a corrective to just you know, at one point we were able to cook for ourselves and hunt and grow and do all this other stuff. And now we're just in this apocalypse wasteland of, you know, shitty food and McDonald's ads and what have you. And with fitness, I, I, I see the vision. The, the one thing I wonder about with fitness as opposed to nutrition is with nutrition, once you reach a certain point, there isn't really a progression. Like once we got the BLGs, once we got your fueling strategy, like you're where you need to be, like 
you can basically go forth, carry it on for the rest of your life. You don't need anyone else. With fitness, on the other hand, and, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts here. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's, it's very, I think there's an element of, and I could be wrong, I think there's an element of any lawyer who represents himself as a fool for a client. We will always, as individuals, try to play to our strengths and not challenge our weaknesses. And I think that is that third-party perspective of the coach can be useful in that regard. So I'm curious your, your thoughts there. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I, so I, it's a wonderful, I'm glad you went over there because I was like, how do, we, how do we use something else? Nutrition is an awesome example because I would agree with you wholeheartedly that is exactly the same inside of fitness. It is. Okay. That there are some basic things. There's basic things, right? And I would say that we make it, uh, we make it more complex to feed our own insecurities of possibly uh, wanting to wanting to look as if there's lots of this, lots of variation in creativity because that's what's available to us. I, I think I think that's how I see it for the for what I would consider. Uh, you know, so, so, uh, just to go back to the nutrition one. Yeah. You get all these BLGs, get these in place, you know, how to chew and you know, have what works for you, etc. It's the same thing for fitness. So I'm just rehashing. That's the same thing. And this is where I brought up this concept of this thought experiment of imagine if out of the womb in whatever is considered, you know, parental education, homeschooling or public schooling, Kids were like, oh, you know, you squat down like this, stand up. Oh, if I jump up and down, oh, if I hold a load here and I go up and down, oh, that's interesting. You know, that's kind of cool. By the time they're 18, the basics are covered. So they have to come up with, like in nutrition, an entire lifetime of now just adjustments. Adjustments with the basics in place. What you're saying, I think, is that there's a whole bunch of other things that they could be getting into. And I'm arguing that it's not going to lead to something that's definitely higher order because it's complex and we need to build upon it. Yeah. Um, does that make sense is how I see it as being similar to both of them? Yeah, that does make sense. The only other question I have there that has come up is are like in this model in this ideal model where, you know, either homeschooling or five through 18 and traditional school or however we conceive it in the future, mm -hmm are they going through some proto version of CCP in addition to doing the physical expression? And the reason I ask is because going back to our necessary and sufficient condition, I do not think personally, although I could be wrong, that just engaging in physical expression is sufficient for the knowledge of how to eventually progress your physical expression. Does that make sense? Like, just yeah. them engaging in PE or yeah. things like that. Yeah, I'm they're not going to know how to progress that long term. So do you yeah. think they're taking like a proto CCP or something like that along the yeah. way? Yeah. So I'm disagreeing with you on that, that I think that just the participation okay. in physical expression, because it gets embedded in the right developmental stages that if it just becomes what we'll call it to be brief, it becomes a habit and it becomes a lifestyle piece. And so you know, and, and, and if we need to jam a little more on that, because I'd like to remember what I said is that when that 18 year old walks out of the school, right, they're like, graduation. And they're like, uh, what are you doing tomorrow? And they're like, oh, no, you know, we'll move around in the morning. You know, someone would be like, if, so, if just like a reporter on the street was like, 
why, what did you say you're going to do tomorrow? They're like, oh, I'm just going to move around in the morning. And they're like, oh, so like uh, Tabata or exercise or like deadlifts or like, I don't know, it's just what I do. I'm going to challenge myself and it's what we do. What do you mean? What, what, kind of, what kind of question is that? That's what you do every day. You see my point? It's like, it's this, it, they, they know what to do. It's, it's, and they'll continue to be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in challenging that thing. Uh, so I'm just going to like do what I have learned, right? Which we will call what we want, I guess, CCP light. I would just call it principles of physical expression and principles of nutrition and principles of behavior. Um, but I would assume, Robbie, it's a, uh, they won't need more than that. Okay. For, for another 70 years of, I would hope, <laughs> some reasoning for physical expression, right? Like, um, you know, I, you know yeah, yeah. So my hope would be that we admire the, physically resilient and adaptable human and not not just doctors and lawyers um in the future yeah yeah that gets that gets heavy too right but that that's that's what i'd want to i want to have i want to admire is that concept um and to back to your point i would say that it can be um it can be embedded um because you know even ccp like that you know we make we make the exercise portion really complex and um, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I, I know my own faults too on that is like, it seemingly looks like, it's like, yeah, but James, you know, you, it's fucking, you know, map 10, map one, all the small things that that's complex, you know? And, and I would say, uh, that it's complex because it takes complexity to fix this corrective atmosphere. Um, that's why it looks complex, but on the start with zero and you got nothing, I think I can embed enough stuff up to 18. Um, which would let them run with it. And this is no such thing as a coach, no such thing as fitness facilities. Um, there is probably like these areas, and Brandon asked that question, which was a good one, right? What does it look like? Probably areas where people go and physically express. Uh, but, but get this, you know, it already exists. That's the thing, you know? And where does it exist? You know, backpack, you walk for five kilometers and you climb rocks. And then you come back down and you walk back home. Just, just think about, just think about that, right? That that's the environment, right? There's an environment to it. Right. Um, and maybe you got to lift some rocks along the way. I don't know, some heavier progressive rocks. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> and, and why? Oh, because, uh, you know, you found that after four or five years or 10,000 people that went through from this, went, went through with this from 2020 to 2060 in this utopic little, area up in Idaho, um, we saw that if they progressively overloaded the rocks they lift, they could climb further, you know? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that helps clarify it a little bit. It's, it's still, I mean, like you said originally when you brought it up, it's a, um, it's a very robust um, concept of what the future concept of uh, fitness would look like, but I'm, I'm getting a clearer picture, I think, now of what that would yeah. And also I was mentioning, and also I was mentioning it was robust because of, I forget what the question was, but where we were talking about um, getting, you know, just trying to create this timeline of where we currently are and where did, where did these, you know, the, this expression, physical expression start occurring that was called something when it wasn't called something. And then it was, <laughs> where did it come to be where it was like, it's something now. 
you know? <laughs> and, and so we better, we better wrap science and everything around it and technology, right? To be like, well, what is that something, you know? Um, and what that something was is inside of us. Like it was, it's part of our, it's been part of us for a long period of time. Um, and I, I do appreciate your points though, right? Where you're like, well, James, it's 2020 and, and times have changed and this is the current setup for that. Um, I appreciate that because uh, it, it makes me recognize that we are really far away <laughs> and we need to find this, we need to find this language in the middle here um, to be okay with the fact that we got to mesh with whatever it is right now, but let's not forget <laughs> that we're capable of expressing it, you know? Yeah, that's, that's the ideal that we're aiming towards. There was no fitness coaching. Now there's a peak and maybe it's heading back. So I guess, I guess in line with that, maybe something to discuss for people going back to your notion of, you know, time indexing things to September, 2020, mm. what can we say about the necessary and sufficient conditions for good coaching given where we are right now in history and what we're trying to aim towards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it's currently really chaotic. Um, there's no, there's no true definition of a fitness coach, um, like what their vocation looks like. Um, there's no definition of the, the tenure and the experience and the competency that's necessary inside a fitness coach. Um, the delivery of fitness coaching education to clients is like there's like 67 ways of doing that. Uh, the expression of fitness on a whole is thought of as being a fix to increase mating, uh, get leaner, uh, you know, decrease disease, not have a heart attack, right? And the value of the person who spreads that information is going down every day. So that's September 2020 right? That's the base support. Now you have to, pre I have to preempt that, right? To start with your questioning on like, what's the attributes or what are the things that are necessary for the coach to, to be inside of this thing? You have to understand reality because then you won't be able to lean up against any of those things to, in order to transform a mind and a body. You know, if you, if you don't recognize that that client is coming in with all of this social constructed concept of fitness, you are gonna be fed in the system and burnt. You're just gonna be spit out in, in, I would say, 18 months now, um, most likely. Um, I am, of course, I've said this numerous times over the past nine months, but I'm, I am empathetic to you know, current surroundings and what's happening in the culture right now, what's happening with immunity and sickness and, and social, social things. Um, and I am, I'm, I'm empathetic to that. There's a lot of prop, a lot of heavy shit in that. Um, and, but I, but I'm very careful of creating this like answer to how you, how you keep going right now. Um, because I also don't want to make coaches think you need to be super agile with this new characteristic um, in order to just like just to keep going in the interim um, because again that will fall flat over time because you're not essentially leaning up against or asking those really hard questions uh, and recognizing what that client comes into you know comes into the conversation with. so that's what I would say are some of the 
some of the things that coaches need to know in the current time frame. Um, what are the necessary things they need to know, you know, uh, for today for that? And what are the, in your mind, what are the, so those are some of the things they need to know. What are the certain, some of the necessary attributes they need to have or virtues they should cultivate in regard to being a, a good coach to someone? What, yeah. what some of the practices, actions, habits, things like that. Yeah. So they have to be, you know, you have to think you have them and then they probably need to be observed by someone else saying like, yeah, yeah, I think you do have these, but you want to, and you also just want to search for them. Um, and, uh, uh, we classify them in, in, there's six of them in CCP and hopefully I could, I could lay them out here. Um, empathy, trustworthiness, vulnerability, and then uh, authenticity, awareness, and attentiveness. So those, those attributes, I think, um, create, like I would say, uh, the best human base support to layer it with, with technical and comp competency skills right? And you cannot do the opposite. You can't layer all the technical skills and all the competencies and then work on this and all these attributes over a period of time. This, and, uh, and that falls flat. If you don't believe me, I've been long enough in the system now where I can just see it. I also know based upon especially the current setup of fitness and the fast track model and how everyone wants to get to get it done quickly, that falls seriously flat. Um, Cause all you end up having is people who are really savvy technically on marketing skills and uh, playing on your emotions. Right. But deep down, they're not authentic. They're not super aware of all the context of the fitness zeitgeist. Um, um, they're not attentive in their consulting practice, like really listening. Um, they're not trustworthy in for a number of different reasons. They're not empathetic and they're not uh, being vulnerable in their attempts of, of their coaching. Um, on top of those, you know, you know, uh, really subjective attributes. Um, this is where, you know, I saw that I saw this in the PDF. So, you know, the, what, what experience is required. You know, like, and I, I think I said this before to you, either in CCP or you heard in CCP, or maybe we talked on a different call. You know, I, again, I create this, this, uh, you know, higher order concept of what the deepest effect is as a coach. And you probably need to have a lot of life experience and a lot of physical expression experience for yourself before you can move into uh, you know, being really effective at the coaching profession for a huge audience. So can someone who has all the attributes, positive attributes of his human and one year experience in CCP and one year experience of physical expression, we have to ask this hard question, Robbie, how can they help people? And I think where you need to go is, who can they help relative to what they know and what they've experienced? And the answer is, unfortunately, it's a very few people. It's probably ironically someone who's just minus them, a little younger and a little less experienced in fitness. You see that? And to create a, like a, to create even a, 
you know, a thought experiment on that. I would ask coaches to do that. It's like, so what you're saying is there's a 42 year old that's going to come in with a host of all these physical compensatory patterns, nutrition issues, and you're 21 with a lot of competency now through CCP and a year's experience. You really think you're going to make a real massive impact, even though you know these great principles that I said you do. You know what I'm saying? We got to really then define like what is effectiveness. So I, I stretch it out to realize, because I know this to be true, Robbie, right? Meaning, sorry, I should say this is true to myself. Like I've learned stuff over the past five years that has taken me 25 years to really say that's the only way I could have taught that. You know, does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't, I don't, and I get goosebumps thinking about it because it, it, you know, I'm liberated on that or I'm liberated on that concept of like how much time it takes to learn these things. I get inspired by that. Right. But it's that, it's that deep, long practice, um, of me playing with all those things and consulting with all these people to have someone in front of me and me really knowing like, I could not have prescribed that effectively without me doing all this, all that time and all that effort and all that work, you know, you know, I'll stop there. So there's, you know, there's these attributes and then we, there's that really uncomfortable conversation of, you know, do you have to wait till you're 40, you know, with all this physical expression practice and this life experience and these attributes, until you're really affecting people. Um, and of course, you know, that creates some good conversation on, yeah, but James, there's like 10 million 28 year olds who are professional fitness coaches today. <laughs> this is where we land. This is where we land on that, right? Well, I mean, I think this is where, you know, the concept that you bring to bear a lot of times about, you know, technician, craftsperson, master, all, all the rest of that. Um, that, that journey of the coach, it's, it's a, it's a trade. It's a, it's, it's something where I think a lot going back to our language of necessary and sufficient conditions. I think a lot of people today think it is, uh, sufficient for one to be a coach. If one learns about, you know, certain reps and sets and certain exercises and things like that. When in reality, you know, as you were just saying, that's like, maybe the cherry on top after all the necessary virtues and attributes, after all the necessary experience. Um, yeah. Professional professionalism and marketing and consistency plays a role, but that's maybe another cherry on top too. But like the Sunday underneath, so to speak, is all that really important stuff that just takes time and patience and cannot be learned in a weekend course or even a year long course um, has to be, has to be experienced repeatedly. Um, and I, I, but I think also that that journey perspective that you have allows us to answer the question, you know, about what can a 21 year old coach do? You know, it's the same thing, 21 year old blacksmith, you know, it, maybe not, it's not going to be the exact same, right? Cause you're dealing yeah. with humans, they're more sophisticated, but like, yeah, you know, they do what they can at that point and then they yeah. progress and then they get to be a master craftsperson. So yeah. or ma a master at their, you know, uh, craft. Yeah, no, uh, Sam Smith and I were talking about this the other day. He uh, had this reading from this architect who, who was talking about that, right? Like um, sharing blueprints with other architects and uh, trying to become a master architect. And the way you're going to get to becoming a master architect is to like, you know, do the hard work and get in the trenches and et cetera. But just like your point on the blacksmith and why it's different is that 
the human human and human behavior um, is really complex, and um, it does offer way much more complexity outside of those inanimate objects and the the eight steps to like make a knife, you know, with the right heat and whatnot. So I guess it comes down to the importance of that, the master knife uh, maker, right? It's the importance of how sharp that knife is. Back to the coach, it's really important that you don't, uh, you don't just make it somewhat sharp as a human as to what you're teaching. Am I making sense of that? Like there's lots of, there's lots of stuff inside of that. You can't just be like, Oh, just, you know, chew your food and repeat. And yeah, you know, it's like, wow, there's a lot of, you know, I got a shitty tool today and it's like, it's like yeah, I gotta, you know, I gotta make the tools. <laughs> I gotta come up with the technology that's necessary to keep people on the straight and narrow for that. So there's, there's lots for, there's lots inside of that. That's a, that uh, makes the, you know, the, the technician craftsperson master concept inside of, you know, working, working with inanimate, inanimate objects makes it challenging because the human and relationships makes it really tough, you know, really tough. Um, not saying it's not, you know, a shorter timeline, Robbie, but you get my point. It's like, it does make it complex. Yeah. Example. And there's no, there's no amount of book knowledge that is, I mean, anyone who's ever coached has experienced this. There's no amount of book knowledge that's sufficient to give you the tools to deal with these random odds and ends things that you're just going to encounter every time a new person comes in and they approach you this way or that way, or, you know, it's the, the knowledge piece of things in competence is, is, is important uh, to be sure. But there's um, again, going back to this idea of uh, the coach's journey being that of, you know, a tradesperson. Um, there are all these different things that you cannot learn from a book. You have to um, experience, not just in terms of your own personal physical expression, but literally just sitting down with them, someone and they said, well, you know, uh, my blood sugar was, you know, this, this morning. And it, you know what I mean? They're just these things that you can't um, anticipate um, outside of actually having the relevant conversations with people. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So this, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example too of a, of an avatar N equals one, and then you can say, uh, yeah, you, you like it or not in regards to recognizing this time frame. Okay. So, um, from 1999 till 2011, um, I worked with, I'm just going to guess, and it will make it kind of sound really cool based on the number, but, uh, no less than a, I'd say a hundred, no less than a hundred of the, uh, uh, menopausal into postmenopausal female. Um, in 1999, 2000, 2001, um, I probably read eight to 10 books on that particular topic. Something like, like books today would be, um, sex lies and menopause, you know, deep medicine, um, our stolen future, estrogen matters, etc. I've spent in that period of time too, up to 2003, four, no, this is all collaborating inside of the education, but no less than 20 to 30,000 on, uh, functional medicine education. 
Institute of Functional Medicine, Boulder Fest, et cetera, right? Um, and I'm still practicing, practicing at this time. Um, but I can't really make an effective prescription, you know, until I just recognized this over the past couple of years. So 2017, 2020, after all that effort and all that work, and not just working with those people in person, but trying to coach coaches about the systems that what affects that. And all that time, and you see what I'm saying, I only truly believed in what's considered an effective prescription over the past couple of years. Wow. So I, I, I don't say that with a heavy heart, nor to virtue signal experience on myself, right? But I couldn't really co collaborate on the complexities of all those things to really give a real true answer. Because it took that amount of time for me to live an experience, like to live through all of whatever was happening and numerous things and experiences to like land on what a good prescription is, you know? So could I have read the book, did the course and all those things by 2001, you know, you know like seven years into my career and, and really think I can have an effective prescription? Maybe. But you see, I can really only say up until now, I couldn't have. So this is where, this is where it comes into like, well, how important is that prescription? And you know, what's your definition of effectiveness? You see, you know, and, and I'm calling effectiveness of like, I'm teaching those females about things like radiance, you know, and, and meaning, like really deep, important stuff that's largely connected to black cohosh, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and sweats at night, you know, it's like, you can't just like, like you said, from a book, and I'm only giving you this analogy to say, I'm just using that avatar and that group. Um, and I'm not going to not say I didn't see it that way, right? I'm not going to be able to say, Oh man, you, you wrote the same prescriptions in 2001 after all those courses and, and books and working with four females like that, you know? So it's, uh, anyways, maybe someone uh, found that story somewhat effective into the, you know, the, uh, the necessity versus sufficiency. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you, I mean, what you highlight is you just get into these higher order levels of the things you can touch on as a coach and connect with your client based on in a way in which you just couldn't have at an earlier stage in your career and, you know, this probably will need to be something we can discuss at a separate time. But I think this also goes to your notion of like coaching can't or shouldn't be like a side hustle. Um, it, it, it needs to be like your, your, your craft. And one of the things I think coaches run into today that, you know, you've discussed at length and others have discussed is that the market is just saturated with, well, if you know the reps and sets and exercises, you're, competing with people who think, well, this is what coaching is. When in reality, the, the profession is a, a craft that to your point, you could have all these conferences and books and all these different things that you've learned, but the knowledge by itself isn't sufficient. It's this deep level mastery about these higher order concepts of meaning in one's life that you're not going to get from a book on reps and sets or the proper supplements to deal with estrogen dominance or, or things like that. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping a coach hears is right. They can get inspired about this longer journey of learning to get to that point, to affect 
the collective, right? Because that's what my job is, right? That's what I do, right? I'm trying to collect and impact the collective, right? So it bleeds downward to the increased value of a coach. And I'm just trying to create reminders that you do need to keep asking those questions, right? Around, um, are you sufficient? Um, and I think we are, we're, we're in a sufficient spot as a coach, right? Coaches are sufficient, right? But they're not necessary. And we just need to be okay with that. Um, and, uh, and keep moving towards uh, um, this, uh, the, you know, keep moving towards the reason and why we're all doing it and intentions and uh, keep, you know, go back on some of our episodes to, to, you know, come up with um, things you can get inspired to improve, like uh, the concept of truth or science and fitness or knowledge and practice of, you know, um, and just recognize it'll be a long, it's a long game. You know, and it's good, man. It's fucking Jesus is sweet. It's a sweet long game. It's a lot of fun. Lots of learnings. Right. Um, but I appreciate you uh, bringing that up because I think about these things on my couch by myself a lot. And this allows me to like create language to it and speak about it, you know, um, because, you know, I can't lie. I, I only, I've only learned things even more recently that, uh, that I, you know, you know, you can't, you got to do the time, you know? So if that's a possibility in me, is it a possibility that, you know, a lot of coaches need life experience, a lot of life experience, you know, um, and a lot of practices before they can get to the point where we're okay with the, you know, effective effectiveness. I'll ask you this. Um, are there any professions like that where I'll just be short on it, but they don't let them, they won't let them go and do the things they need to do until they're at this particular, you know, age or seniority. Does that make sense? And not do, saying it as a, like a hierarchy, bullshit, political, politically incorrect conversation. It's just, I just, is there, is there spots where they, they have that? Is there other yeah, I mean, two, two that come to mind, I mean, just from my previous experience with academia, I mean, you know, uh, PhD is a anywhere between a five to eight year journey. Typically you do a postdoc, then you, you know, there's a seven year, 10 year clock. I mean, there's, there's a really, okay. you know, pretty, pretty long amount of time before you're even a professor. And in Germany and things like that, it's like a double PhD. I mean, it's just all this crazy stuff. Okay. I mean, a doctor would be a good one too. Med yes. school residency. Yeah. Yep. Things like that. Yeah. So um, where the, where the responsibility is super high, right? For uh, highest amount of education, growth, and intellect, and also, I guess, the physical, you know, um, we could jam on that one another time, but what that is in the physical and the responsibilities behind it, um, that's probably why it takes that long to get to that, right? Because they're all agreeing that like, no, 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 you can't be a Doogie Hauser, you know? Yeah, I mean, you really, maybe you, and this is where I think people get tripped up, maybe you could in the sense of like, you have memorized all the relevant facts from oh, well, the book, we, but that's oh, not a practice of medicine. Oh, right? oh, for sure. I mean, we, well, to today, I mean, gosh, you know, you don't even need the book. You just need people on Instagram to think you read the book. Right. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's real, dude. That's real. Yeah. That's, that's, there's actually robots doing that now, right? We're intelligent. We're smart. Invest in this template. Who are these people? They're no one. <laughs> interesting <laughs> you know there's no one there it's just 
Yeah. So, okay. That, uh, that certainly helps. Cause I, I haven't, I haven't uh, went over there uh, to think about other industries and other areas. Um, and I guess that's what, I guess it brings it back to, you know, us talking in a room on zoom, right? We think it's important. We think it's really important that people should, uh, um, learn how to uh, chew broccoli and do lunges, you know, and keep, you know, being inspired to do it all the time. Um, we think it's important and that's it. And there's just not as reality is not a lot of other people think it is important. And if they do think it's important, they think it's important because it'll prevent disease. That doesn't right. make it right. And if you want to be a coach, you know, a realization that seems obvious in hindsight, but something that, you know, uh, was, was striking, I'm sure, for a lot of other coaches besides me. It's like you knowing what you're supposed to know and you being able to articulate it clearly, rationally, is not sufficient for the person to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of the time. So, you, you know, there's this whole experiential component where maybe you, you've studied it, you know it down pat, you can rationally articulate it to someone who is of a similar level. Mm-hmm. But then when you have to actually get in the trenches and like the whole reason you learned that was to then go change or to help someone change, yeah. like, you got to develop new strategies and the book can give you ideas about what to do. But ultimately that comes down to you and that person. Yep. Yep. That's all the questions on the forum, right? Number one answer. It depends. And then number two, let's individualize it. It's all, it's all the same answers, right? Which is good. That's good. Right. Um, it depends and, uh, it's individualized and then let's, now let's get into it. Yeah. Cause they, you know, a lot of coaches, um, and I think we'll always, I don't know if I'm saying it the right way, but we'll always fly that flag of like just, you know, putting the information out there and, and giving little insights into implementation, right? But uh, just based on my personality and, and how I want to see it, I, I want coaches to struggle with it, right? I want them to like be in place and come to those aha moments like, man, I really need to like really focus here, right? And then like, oh, I gave them some information. They didn't get it. Hmm, you know? I'm not going to resort back to like making, making it robotic and automatic. No, I'm going to refine what I tried and make it better, you know, and then you'll be able to over years come back and go, Oh, there's the principles, right? There's the principles of refining and figuring it out and making it better. There's the principles of higher order, right? It'll, it'll just come to be. So yeah, that's why, that's why I hope, uh, or there's some hope in that strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think for today? You think that's, uh, I think, uh, I think for number 12, that was pretty darn good. Um, I think like all of them, this might be the cool thing about 12 is that 12 times we said, well, we probably should do an extra something or other on this particular topic. (laughs) So here we go. Here's the embedded commentary. There's lots to discuss here on, um, yeah, where the fitness coach fits in today. Um, have we, have we really uh, just put it in place? Um, and I, I, have, I have the answers to those. You know, I think it, it just came to be because of all these incorrect intentions. Um, and I think the good thing, I'm going to go away with this. I'm not sure if you want to follow up with something you're going to go away with, but I'm going to go away with and sit back a little bit here and uh, really think about closing that gap, right, on like, what okay if we are agreeing that it's folly then what are we going to put in place because it's not good enough to just philosophize and sit back 
Yeah, that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna work a little harder on. So I'm not sure if you're gonna take anything away that's gonna be helpful. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I still keep coming back to that ideal that you you know keep referencing, and I I I think you're right. Figuring out like here we are, September 2020. This is the state of fitness coaching, trying to correct those incorrect intentions. Like we can talk about what's good for a coach right now, but like what is the linear or maybe not linear, depending on the way the world works. Uh, what, what's the progression between here and getting to that idea? Like what things need to happen at a societal level, at a political level, uh, at a human level to get to that? I think you just hit on one right there that I think could be a future episode of uh, politics. Now, of course, politics is a bad word, you know, but really it is. We're talking about the strategies necessary to affect change with the concept, right? And how we kind of remedy that. So I think the politics of fitness, we name it that way because it could seem kind of cool, but inside it may fall flat, but who cares? But at least we'll talk about those things, right? Like what are the strategies that we could, you know, um, you know, have conversation on and get together on and make movements and make shifts, right? I think that's, that's worthy because that may, we may get some good things that'll come from that, that take this further than this just back and forth you know, concept and conceptual idea. Um, and I do think that uh, um, I spoke to my mentor coaches yesterday, uh, product placement. I do a mentorship twice a year for five months. We're a couple weeks in. Um, sign up now. Link in bio. Um, yesterday we talked about, uh, and so this is what I entered. This is what I exited with. I was like, you know, in the end, uh, you, you uh, that's why I love fitness. Because if you're not willing to do the hard work, the hard bit, um, you'll get spit out and it's better for all of us. Um, you got to recognize to move this, what you're taught, what you just talked about to move this paradigm, right? And this thinking and idea around fitness is going to be hard work, right? Um, and at the end of the day, you as a coach just need to sit back and say, do I really want to put the time and the effort into the hard work and accept that it's a lot of correction? Or do you just want to surround yourself with 12 people who are really autonomous and actually don't need your help on growing their mind? You know, uh, I think that's the, that's what we have to, we have to do. Right. And I think there's, there's a lot in the middle there. Of 12 people. <laughs> I told you it's your favorite example. <laughs> you were not like, disciples. I know my answer. That's pretty simple. <laughs> I just want twelve people to follow the rules. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Which, which again, again, you know, to go further than that, then we do need to have the um, the uh, conversation then on what is impact. You know, what is the definition of impact? Because uh, I think even in that N equals one scenario of a coach who's just training 12 people, they pay, you know, uh, 900 bucks a month each just for this templated program. They work on their own. You just sit back like, yeah, it's all good. Just report in. We're all good. And it, here's a 35 year contract, right? Um, for 12 people. Um, you know, what's your, what's your definition of impact? An impact for those 12 people? Um, or a collective impact? You know, you see, there's lots of questions in there too. Uh, what, what is really impactful? Um, especially if you're 
if people know that you're a fitness coach and, and they're interested in, in what you're doing for that, you know? So. Yeah, no, I think that'd be a good one. I think, um, one future topic I had in mind was discussing utilitarianism in connection with fitness. And for those who may not know the idea there is that something is moral to the extent that it, uh, either increases or decreases the greatest good or happiness of all. And we can discuss whether that counts as impact or not, you know, maybe that's the wrong definition of impact and yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Also yeah. questions there. Yeah. Yeah. Great one. I look forward to that. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that was a good one. And uh, yeah, look forward to the next one. Okay, buddy.